so the uh, the message this evening, as I um, put in the group chat earlier in the week and, and sent also via text message to one or two folks, um, is surrounding the subject of facing tests. Um, and this was uh, a, if you remember, uh, a, I guess a planned part of the series in going through Proverbs. Uh, and I thought it was, uh, I guess, a blessing, a providential um, a sign of God's providence that there are numerous of us who are, are going through tests and trials of various kinds at this point. Uh, and so it's a wonderful thing uh, that the Lord has um, provided a bunch of scriptures within our, our current series through Proverbs that uh, I hope will be useful uh, and will be a blessing uh, to all of us, be it now or in the future. Uh, but we are assured uh, during this life, uh, encouragingly, that we will have tests and trials. Uh, our Lord in the 16th chapter of John says, in this world, sorry, in the world, you will have tribulation. Uh, and his brother James in uh, chapter one, verse two says, to count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And Paul in his second letter to Timothy uh, in chapter three says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Of course, persecution being uh, one example of many of a, a test, a trial. But we can take immediate hope, even in the, uh, the introductory portion of this message, we can take immediate hope that Jesus has overcome the world, as the latter part of that verse in John 16 says. And so I have uh, three points which we'll go through this evening, Lord willing. Um, they being, firstly, bear one another's burdens, encouraging one another during seasons of testing. Secondly, God does the testing. Golden, sanctified glory is the projected outcome. And thirdly, turn to God for his strength during testing. Um, Profound or otherwise, these are um, points that I've taken from the, the scriptures that I've studied, and I'll hopefully flesh that out in a little bit to come. But let's pray. Uh, Lord, I, uh, I pray not because of, um, because of any eloquence or talent or whatever else in me, Lord, but just because you would speak to your people by your scriptures. I pray that we would be encouraged, that we would be strengthened, that you would supply us with the, the balm that we may need for our soul, be it during this current hour or be it in uh, days, weeks, months, years to come, Lord. Uh, feed your people, I pray. Uh, feed even myself, Lord, as I preach. And I pray that the, the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, uh, both now and, and during the course of the week as I've been planning this message, um, have been and will be pleasing to you and that your kingdom would come, your will would be done. Um, through this message, I pray. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Uh, so turn with me, if you will, to, to Proverbs chapter 12. Um, that's where I'm going to take the, the first point from. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25 says this. It says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Tom and I this week have been uh, blessed to, to meet up with a couple of folks 
to have uh, discussions pertaining to, to membership with them. Uh, and one of the things that we've talked about uh, is how the local church, and hence church membership, uh, provides some scope around the application of, of commands such as to, to bear one another's burdens, such as we see in Galatians 6. Uh, we have a, a glorious obligation as members of Christ Church Tuggeranong to love one another as we love ourselves, which ought to manifest itself in such things as bearing one another's burdens. Uh, and as I've heard Tom uh, recount and I've parroted myself, uh, this actually means that you will become burdened with other people's burdens, i.e. not generally thought of as a, a pleasant thing. But to bear one another's burdens implies that you love your neighbor, uh, you love that fellow member of this body to such an extent that you are willing to take on a portion of their burdens, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Our obligation uh, to bear the burdens of Christians in the church down the street uh, is different and lesser to the obligation that we have to members of this church. Now certainly, uh, and please hear me clearly, certainly we do not totally disregard or unduly neglect those in the church down the street. Uh, but there is a, a beautiful and reciprocal godly obligation that we have toward one another uh, in this local church. And likewise, the church down the street uh, to their church, to the members of that church. And noting uh, again that numerous of us are facing tests and trials at this present moment. Uh, these, these biblical notions, such as I'm bringing out now and will do uh, in the moments to come, ought to be things that we are considering how to implement now. It ought to be things that we are considering how we will implement in October of 2023, the present moment. What good word, as that uh, proverb we've just read says, uh, what good word could we offer a brother or a sister that may gladden them? How might we go about bearing the burden of a brother or a sister, lessening the load of life for them? And here's, a, I guess, a point to consider. Do we love our brother or sister enough? Do we know them well enough that we may rejoice with them in their rejoicing, that we may weep with them in their weeping, uh, do we know them well enough that we actually know the affairs and circumstances of their life such that we would be able uh, to act in like fashion with them, rejoicing in their rejoicing, weeping in their weeping, as the case may be? Uh, and in a very real way, my, my posing of such exhortative questions is aiming to, to stir up one another to love and good works. And just as a, a side point, by way of a side point, uh, consider the the difficulty, not the impossibility, but perhaps the difficulty of consistently applying such stirring up uh, outside or, or very, very broadly speaking, outside of a local church body. Uh, it's very difficult for me to stir up those in the, the church in South Africa or down the street or whatever else uh, in quite the same way as I have the opportunity to stir up love and good works uh, within this wonderful body of believers. Once again, this is not to say that we neglect other believers, but it is to say there is a particular obligation uh, that we have to those of our local church body. And I want to both encourage us and exhort us in this. I want to give a, a word of encouragement in that of all the churches that I have been uh, a part of 
within Australia, and please don't think that this is a, a magnificent number, but of all the churches that I have had much to do with within Australia, um, I think that within this particular church body, uh, this kind of love that I'm describing, this kind of bearing of one another's burdens, this uh, love for one another, uh, exists in the greatest form that I've seen it within churches in Australia. So I want to um, give a godly encouragement to us um, within that and to say, uh, appropriately, uh, well done. Continue on in the same vein, of course, giving glory to God. Uh, and the exhortation perhaps is obvious. Uh, we ought to continually press on and challenge ourselves to this end. We ought to make Holy Spirit-fueled prayer our sustaining fire and practice and action our goal. We ought to rely on God's Holy Spirit to fuel us in these endeavours, uh, and we ought to be aiming uh, in that, that this practice would, would manifest itself in the way that we love one another, in the way that we bear one another's burdens, stir one another up to good works, offer good words of encouragement during times of testing and anxiety. The second point, God does the testing, golden, sanctified glory is the projected outcome. Turn just a page or two over to Proverbs 17, verse 3. Proverbs 17, 3 says this, The crucible is for silver, and the furnace is for gold, and Yahweh tests hearts. And it's quite similar, but turn over to chapter 27. And in chapter 27, verse 21 and 22, it says this, The crucible is for silver, and the furnace is for gold, and a man is tested by his praise. Crush a fool in a mortar with a pestle along with crushed grain, yet his folly will not depart from him. And as I seem to be uh, increasingly want to do, consider with me a couple of questions from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Question seven says, what are the decrees of God? To which the answer comes, the decrees of God are his eternal purpose, according to the counsel of his will, whereby for his own glory he hath foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. Question eight, the following question. What doth God execute, sorry, how doth God execute his decrees? I think the old English is necessary. God executeth his decrees in the works of creation and providence. And then skipping a few questions, question 11. What are God's works of providence? God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. So what can we learn pertaining to this subject uh, from the Westminster Divines and the summary of these biblical truths in complement with the scriptures from Proverbs? We can learn, as we know, that all that occurs in your life, as well as everyone and to everywhere and everything, occurs as a part of the plan and handiwork of God, and it is all to his own glory. This plan is good, and it is for our good and his glory. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. 
a verse which we know readily. Uh, I've heard it described as the Himalayas of the, the New Testament, the Romans 8, 28. And strengthening the point, uh, consider again what James says uh, in his first chapter. Count it all joy, he says. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. To which surely the, the answer from the general uh, waters that we swim in of 2023 says, why on earth, James, would you count it all joy when you encounter trials of various kinds? To which his answer comes, for you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so I think the, the challenging and introspective question for us becomes, how much currency do we place upon such outcomes? How much do we value such spiritual measures such as steadfastness and to be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. See, we are, uh, in one respect, physical beings. We find it very easy to, to quantify and to reach for and to strive for uh, physical and natural outcomes. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But we find it, I think, a little more difficult, again, because of the culture that we live in, uh, to quantify and to strive for in quite the same way such spiritual outcomes. But if our weight upon such things is good and is heavy, appropriately heavy, then our perspective on trials and tests will be entirely different. It will even be gloriously positive. We will count it all joy when we encounter trials of various kinds. And that notion, combined with the notion that Yahweh tests hearts, our God tests hearts in Proverbs 17.3, revolutionizes the way that we see trials and tests. To add another glorious ingredient to the mix, uh, combined also with the fact that all things that occur are a part of God's sovereign plan, helps us to know that trials are producing spiritual fruit in us, enacted by God, and because they are enacted by God, these trials and tests are not arbitrary. I think oftentimes, even though we might have a, uh, a good theology of tests and trials, nonetheless we encounter one and all that we can think of is, oh, I can't wait until this test and trial is over. We might recount to ourselves uh, James 1, but uh, how much does it really uh, implement itself? Does it uh, ingrain itself upon our soul? But if we consider that God is sovereign over all things, all things are his works of providence. He does it all for his glory. He is the, the orchestrator of the test in order to produce steadfastness, uh, the lacking in nothing within us. Then we could consider that these, these trials are not arbitrary and perhaps we look far less to just be over with it and we rejoice in what God might be doing, whether we know what it is or otherwise, during the course of the trial and the test. We will see uh, how this may or may not bite me in the bottom, as it were, for having preached. Often we simply want to get to the other side of the trial, but rather we ought to utilize this perspective when we are in the trial to give us a whole uh, new and godly perspective upon it. So the point, God does the testing, golden, sanctified glory is the projected outcome. 
<clears throat> Final point. Turn to God for his strength during testing. You're currently in, <clears throat> excuse me, Proverbs 27. Turn back to, uh, to Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18 verse 10 says very encouragingly, The name of Yahweh is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. The name of Yahweh is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. Uh, and in Psalm 18, I have it here in my notes, just let me read it to you. Uh, it says this, I love you, O Yahweh, my strength. Yahweh is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon Yahweh who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. We've reflected thus far upon bearing one another's burdens and encouraging one another during times of testing. And we've seen that it is God who does the testing in order to produce glorious fruit. Well, consider now with me that during periods of testing, it is God whom we ought to be turning toward for strength. At the start of the, the 18th Psalm, I'm not sure if it's in everybody's Bibles, but uh, there's a sort of prelude at the start of mine. Uh, and it says, A Psalm of David, the servant of Yahweh, who addressed the words of this song to Yahweh on the day when Yahweh delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And it goes on uh, with the passage of the Psalm. Who do you think that David uh, turned to for strength during the season of testing and trial from which God had just delivered him. Time and again, God saved his people when they called on him during trials and tests. Uh, consider broadly, and though it's not the, the best part of Israel's history, uh, nonetheless we see the principle uh, become apparent, but consider broadly the history presented in the book of Judges. God's people uh, turn away from him, trouble befalls them, uh, they turn back to him. He restores and blesses them. He gives them strength in one way of considering it. Consider Gideon and his tiny army and the victory that God gives uh, through them. Consider David and Goliath. Consider, of course, Jesus in Gethsemane and how he turns uh, to God the Father and God the Father gives him strength uh, during that most significant trial. And perhaps is there a, a situation that comes to mind in your own life whereby you have turned to God in a time of testing for his strength and he has been pleased to strengthen you during that test? It is, of course, good to both reflect upon uh, biblical history and see God's hand in times past, but also to reflect upon God's handiwork in our own lives. Uh, both are encouraging. The name of Yahweh is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. And so if you are in a time of testing, turn to God with his abundant love, with his abundant zealousness for his people and be comforted, be delivered, be strengthened. Know that that period of testing uh, is by his own hand and is to produce wonderful fruit within you. Tests and trials and not a time to, to pull away from God and his people, uh, seeking 
entertainment and the world or vices or video games or whatever else it might be. Rather, tests and trials are a time to press in to the things of the Lord, uh, to find yourself more frequently uh, in the scriptures, meditating upon them, uh, thinking how they apply to your life, seeking God in prayer upon your knees. Uh, and because of the, uh, the wickedness of our flesh, so often we have that back to front. We find ourselves in a, a time of testing, a time of trial, uh, and our knee-jerk reaction uh, is to turn away from the things of the Lord, to simply gratify the flesh in whatever way that might be. Uh, but let me encourage uh, me, let me encourage all of us, uh, the next time you find yourself in such a position, um, the best way is to look upwards, as it were. The name of Yahweh is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. <clears throat> to finish in conclusion, uh, as usual, the founder and perfecter of our faith, our Lord, is both the, the solution and the example of how we may face tests and trials and come out victorious. Consider how with great hunger and thirst he answered the devil in the wilderness with scriptures, with these scriptures rather, uh, as his weapon and as his sword. Consider also, uh, and even more poignantly, how he faced the cross, the, the greatest trial put upon the one who not deserved it the least, but who in fact deserved the polar opposite. Consider how he faced the cross, despising the shame for the joy that was set before him. Consider how he, the Lord of glory, the creator of all things, dealt with sinners, dealt with interpersonal relationships. Sinners such as we, we might add. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted, the writer of Hebrews says. Consider that Jesus faced circumstantial difficulty. He endured temptation from the devil. He endured the greatest trial that has ever and will ever be. And he endured maltreatment from, from mankind. Is there any kind of uh, test and trial that he has faced which we will not face? Sorry, rather the other way around. Is there any kind of trial that we will face that he has not already faced? Certainly there is not. He is both the perfect solution and the perfect example. And so as uh, James comes up in a second to pray for us, uh, this time the, uh, our brother James, not the biblical writer. Uh, let us consider these as I close. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. In tests, trials, and temptations, which are, of course are another breed of the same, encourage one another, bearing one another's burdens. Know that God does the testing to produce glorious fruit. Put currency in what is valuable to him. Turn to God for strength and look to Christ, the solution to our test and trials, as well as our example on how to face them.